whether you've got a knight in shining armour or not, you really do need to take responsibility for yourself. Don't defer it to someone else. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. This episode is sponsored by the School of Renovating Boardroom Bootcamp. It's an intensive strategic planning and training weekend. It is the fast track for women and their partners to change the course of their lives through renovating and property. This intimate weekend training is conducted around our boardroom table. So you get up to speed quickly with the core training to go from where you are today to an annual income of between 50 and 150,000 per year. The key feature of the weekend is that you get personal help and guidance to design your strategic plan to replace your income either straight away or in retirement. If you would like to know more about the boot camp, you can head over to our website, www.theschoolofrenovating.com. Click on the link to services. So I had this idea that I would like to have a co-host, at least for some of the episodes, mainly because I feel it feels a bit weird talking to myself. So we're trying that out. So today, it's sort of like a casual co-host. I've got my friend and colleague, uh, Joe Vidello, in to really talk about women and property. So Joe has two businesses and one is Property Women, the other is Advocate Property Services and she'll tell you a bit more about that once we get started. So today we're going to be discussing the Empowered Female Investor. Before I, we get into that, I'll just welcome Joe. and would you like to, Joe, share a bit about yourself? Thanks for talking, Vic. Yes. <laughs> thanks, Bernadette, and thanks for the introduction as well. It's always, um, uh, I've always been a She Renovates listener, long-term listener, first-time first time co-host, so it's pretty exciting, and, and thank you very much for giving me that opportunity. So I think you pretty much nailed it, Property Women, uh, wonderful national-wide network of female investors, um, whether they've never invested but they're lurking, they're ready to pounce, or... Um, they're perhaps they've done um, a lot of uh, property activity in the past and they're coming back wanting to get educated again and get reinvigorated by being around other like-minded women. So Property Women's been around since 2006 and we've got a really big um, database, as I said, on a national level. And whilst we are female skewed, we do find we get quite a few husbands and other halves and we're now seeing a bit more men come onto our bus trips and things like that, so that's exciting. Um, and Advocate Property Services, my husband and I started the company in 2011. We were long-term investors, renovators, add value, get the equity, um, yeah, rinse and repeat and do and go on and build our own network, uh, sorry, our own property portfolio. And they started to assist friends and family on a pro bono basis of helping them find property and make sure they made the right buying decisions and also negotiate them as best they could. And I retrained when I had an opportunity to and became a fully qualified buyer's agent. And we started up our business and have never looked back. We've um, expanded into different states. We've got, you know, um, contractors that work with us in Adelaide and Brisbane, uh, Newcastle and Sydney, obviously. I'm, I'm Sydney-based myself. 
And I love it. I love working with investors. I love working with people who have got to go get them, I guess, uh, approach to life. And what I've met of your networks as well, Bernadette, I know your pool of people, I very much um, meet that target demographic. Yeah, that's awesome. And also I should add, Joe has an absolutely gorgeous husband. <laughs> I, oh, look, I can't argue with that. Inside and out, yeah, he's a, he's a honey. <laughs> okay, so today we're going to be talking about the empowered female investor. Do you want to kick off here? Well, what I've noticed emerge, I should say, in the last few years, I'm seeing the shifting of the guards, whereas when I started out investing 20 years ago, women were starting to have that groundswell, you know, we're coming, what were we, 20 years ago, um, sort of coming out of the 90s, early, early 2000s, um, women are starting to hold their ground and wanting to do things independently. They're not waiting around for a man to be their, their saviour or financial rescue. And I could see this emerging, um, I guess, the market was changing at that point. Now, fast forward almost 20 years later from when I started out, we've got these women who are, uh, you know, millennials, the 20-somethings, the 30-somethings, that they don't even recognise there is no equality issue. They're just going out and doing it for themselves. So it's really, really exciting to see this um, rise, I guess you could say, of empowered female investors. So that is something I wanted to speak to, but at the same time perhaps look at where we uh, our, our, our gender can benefit or what, what skill sets that we have almost that's innate in us that to help them buy, property, buy into property, but then what it is that we also do to sabotage our successes. Awesome. Yes, I'm with that. Actually, I was listening to the, the Smart Property Investor podcast yesterday and there was a young, young woman, she sounded like she was a teenager, but she must have been a bit older than that, <laughs> talking about her developments. And I just thought that is incredible. Like she, she just, unfortunately, she just lost money on a development in Leichhardt. I think it was Leichhardt, or Dulwich Hill, that's right. But yeah. she had a warehouse conversion, which she was turning into townhouses. And that was completed around about a $9 million project. And I thought, that's amazing. Like, she does have a partner, but clearly she's the driver of, of the project. And I th think that's something that is quite common that, uh, well, now more so, it's always been the case in our house, but I've noticed that other couples, the male is the one that sort of calls the shots. But now that's changing and it is more the woman that's driving that yeah. um, investing and developing part of their wealth building. Absolutely. Yeah, I do, I do see that a bit of a pattern with a lot of female investors I meet where their husbands are supportive but not that interested and they'll come along for the journey but she's the driving force. She's the one that, you know, obviously doing the, doing the due diligence, doing the, you know, educating herself and she's bringing him along as well and sometimes that's willingly and other times it's like all things in life, sometimes, yeah, Sometimes your partner's kicking and screaming, but but they, yeah, I do see these. A lot of women are go-getters, and I'm not, I'm not pleased. I just want to make sure that I want to put it out there. I'm a mum of three boys. I've got four brothers. I'm surrounded by men. Apart from apart from my, my um, network of amazing investor female friends, my life's very male-skewed. Mal but what I wanted to say to that is that this is in no way a hating on men conversation at all. I just want to point out that, 
I spend a lot of time with female investors, so that is where my wealth of knowledge comes from and my hands-on, um, I guess, my hands-on take on, on, on what, what's going on in the marketplace at the moment. So you touched on the fact this teenager, perhaps 20-something-year-old, <laughs> just did this enormous pro- project. What I find from sometimes the young, like, okay, when you're younger, it's easier to make mistakes, dust yourself off and keep going as well. But there's a bit more of a ability to do that. I think that, that this generation coming forward, it's like, okay, I'm going to make mistakes and I'm just going to get on with them. And I think when you get up to the people who are in their 40s and beyond where you kind of go, oh, I, I did it, I invested once and it didn't work out, so I'm never going to do it again. Yeah, exactly. That I, and, yeah, I, I would agree with that because you're starting to see the end of the road and you're sort of thinking, well, you know, I'm in my 40s. I've got probably, most people think only one decade, but they've got much longer than that. To get my act together, I can't afford to make a mistake because, you know, I'm going to be down the tube. I would agree with that. And it's interesting because when she was talking about the project that they just sold, when I was around her age, we had a similar experience where the market changed mid-project and it was a development. It wasn't a $9 million development, but it was, you know, I guess in my terms it was. And we didn't make a loss, but we sold at cost. Now, looking back now with what I know now, I realise that we didn't need to do that. And just that benefit of age has a big um, impact and even the experience. So while I personally think it was a mistake that she sold at a loss because she would have only had to wait one year and her sale price would have been, you know, three or 400000 more. Um, but, you know, when you are young and you want things to happen quickly, um, so a little bit of impatience, I think, more than anything, and that was certainly the case with us at that point. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I often, when I often get asked about, you know, well, what if the property goes backwards? What if the market goes backwards? And, and I think when you get into the property market, you need to look at your exit strategy. You know, what is the worst case scenario? If you lost a job or... Um, you know, your, your health was compromised or something like that, but could you sustain the property? You know, are you able to keep it? Are you able to convert it to Airbnb in order to increase your income? Yes, it's a bit more hands-on involvement, but there are ways around it if the market takes a dip. Um, did you have to sell during the GFC? Some people felt like they had to, you know, let go of everything to survive, but, I mean, could you tread water? Is there other ways around this sort of thing? So um, it's the way I think we all react in a crisis as well. You know, so. yeah, I, I would agree. And the other thing is, it's I think something that has changed in the last few decades is there's not a willingness to compromise on lifestyle. Oh, yes. Yeah. So for me, if it meant a year of eating baked beans, I'd do it. The payoff, you know, one of our projects went to market at Christmas last year, and and we and we couldn't cover costs, so we held on to it for twelve months, and that difference was over one hundred and fifty thousand worth it it was hard you know it wasn't when you're not planning to hold on you always have the plan b but you hope it's never going to happen of course yeah but fortunately with airbnb the plan b is is much better than it it was back in the day you need to roll up your sleeves don't you sometimes you You need to yeah you need to do that in 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 that sort of circumstance and i you know you know i I guess we have with airbnb wasn't an option you know at that point for you and um there is just so many different ways 
that things can be salvaged and, and some people don't know where to look for that source of how can I make this work, you know. Could you rent the house out and then rent the garage separately? Would that increase, you know, if that's an opportunity, if it's a car space, there's there's a lot of different options, rent by the room. I mean, obviously everything we're talking about comes with an asterisk and disclaimer and you've obviously got to do your own due diligence. But, um yeah, like can can you hold on? Can you hold on to and your nine million dollar project? Perhaps she's got capital investments that she has to she had to pay out. But you know, if she can dust herself off and get going again and learn from your mistakes, I mean, this is what <laughs> that's what it is. I don't know anyone who's successful that hasn't had uh, you know a couple of shocking examples in business or whether it's been a a, a year where they've had to I don't know put you know have their ATO debts onto some sort of payment plan. You know, it's not always perfect. <laughs> oh, look, I absolutely agree. And before we start going down the rabbit hole of how bad things were back then, we'll get on to, so, you know, there is a shifting of the guard with women. A lot more women are stepping up and being the navigators of their own journey. I think we would also agree that women make great investors. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Great researchers. Yeah. Um, really good at due diligence. Uh, you're really very thorough in their buying decision. But th there's that. There's a, the, the thoroughness in making a, a careful, calculated decision. But even when I've met with women who are setting up um, a property for staging for sale or renovating and, and she has that ability to read who, her, who the target market is, who's going to buy the property, you know, what are they going to expect, you know. So if they're going to expect they have to have stone tops, have bench tops in this location, you know, that's what, you know, I'm not saying that men wouldn't, but I'm do, I do know that females just have that ability to read who their market is and probably without even having to do a hell of a lot of research, they just understand if you're going to be buying in this area or renovating this area, they're going to be expecting a certain calibre of finish. Yeah, I have a theory on that. I, well, a couple of things. Firstly, we know that women make the majority of buying decisions when it comes to homes. Yes. We know that if a couple comes and looks at a home, it will be the woman that's driving that decision, whether or not she's the one that signs the contract or not. We know that our market is a woman. And the other, the flip side of it is as a woman, investor, developer, renovator, you have that this, there seems to be this internal automatic switch to be the nurturer, the nester. And so I personally think it's because you connect with your buyer on an instinctive level. So, mm. and what I mean by that is, you, you know, just really re, uh, reinforcing what you've said, that when, when a woman is um, designing how a, a home will operate and how it will look, she understands that from a woman's point of view, which is, the you know, what her buyer is going to be looking at. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, completely, absolutely. I would agree that most cases when I'm working with a couple, it is she who will drive the decision <laughs> when it comes to the buying. Yeah. And um, I, think when it, I think there is studies done that men are the car chooser in the family, for want of a better way of wording that sentence and electronics 
I have a feeling that's the formula. But for most other things, um, in in a yeah, most scenarios that females will be the driving force of a of a sale of a property. And and I, I I've told this story before, Bernadette. So I apologise if you've heard it. But when I bought my first property, Greg and I were dating. So <laughs> he was my boyfriend, and um, I had accrued the deposit, and I went and started to shop around for my first property. So. I look back now and I'm so glad I got to do this on my own. Even though he was by my side and all the rest, it was still me. It was still my money. I made the sacrifices and I, and I, I did this on my own. But I went to so many opens where they would look at him and ask for his details when they wrote them down at the front. And here I am, like I'm a foot shorter than Greg, as you know, and I'm jumping up and down going, I, I, it's my money. Like this is my, you know, this is my mortgage. <laughs> And even at the time, I thought, these guys are crazy. Why are they, you know, like sucking up to him? Like not only because I'm the female, but I'm the one that's actually going to be signing the check. So, um, but I, yeah, I, I see when I, when I watch um, selling agents and they do it really well, I can, I can see the way they work the couple <laughs> when they go exactly. to yeah. yeah. Actually, yes, actually, that's a good point, that sexism is definitely alive and well in the real estate industry. We have a young woman who um, has, is renovating with her mum in Melbourne and they do an amazing job of their projects and just recently they sold one and the agent had an offer and he, gave, he let Lila know what the offer was. The property was in her name and she said that she wasn't going to accept it because, you know, hadn't reached the, their expectations and he asked her if he could speak to her father. So, no, it is alive and well. And so I think anyone, any young woman who makes their way in the property world, they still come up against a lot of that sort of prejudice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I remember once when I was, I, was in, I was on maternity leave talking to, I can't even remember the, the exact scenario, but it was probably related and he said he wanted to wait till my husband was around to have the conversation. But my generation, like I was in primary school in the 80s and I grew up on television where Benny Hill was chasing girls around the park and Paul Hogan, they were slapping girls on the backside and wolf whistling as they walked past building sites in the TV show. That was my way of, like, that, that's what I grew up on. That's how women were treated. So it has evolved quite significantly since then. But it's, I guess we're still dealing with people who hold on to, I can't believe someone would even say, you've got to, I've got to speak to your father. No, it's ridiculous. Like, in terms of research, my experience has been, actually it's probably been more women that are, have partners. They tend to defer some of the important aspects to their partner which I think I certainly felt this at one point. I think there's, there's a tendency, particularly among older women, to think that getting to understand everything you need to understand to be savvy in property is just too hard. Yeah. But I think now uh, I don't think you can afford not to. You know, we're always going on about being educated, but if you don't spend that time then you're at the mercy of whoever you actually come in contact with because you do need to work with professionals to buy a property, you know, if you go to a buyer's agent or whatever. If you don't educate yourself, you don't know whether what you, they're telling you is, you know. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I think it's important to be educated to know what you need to know and have yeah. it, even if it's just the 
fundamentals because then you know what to ask your accountant before you buy or you know what to expect a buyer's agent should be providing you as a service. So you don't need to know everything there is to know, but you need to know enough to know when you're being hoodwinked or what what service caliber you should be expecting or to understand what, why or how fast this broker should be delivering for you and things like that. So I guess that's the other thing that's changed in time is that people are outsourcing more and more to to um, to people like buyers agents or they're um, you know a, a broker. There's a lot more competition in that space. 20, 30 years ago, you'd just ring up Westpac because that's who you got your first bank account that's with, you know. Yeah. But if you, the more educated you are, you know when you're either not getting adequate information or, um, or the information's coming to you, but you understand what questions you need to ask and actually, you know, challenge what's, become, what's in front of you. Like why, why is this area good? You know, what, where are you getting these statistics from? Can I see another comparison of what's selling for that in that area? It's just just things like that so that you're making an informed decision. You've got that fundamental understanding and you can sleep at night knowing that you, you've, I guess, um, squeezed out as much as you can from the professionals that you're working with as well and, and that you should be getting a very thorough service from anyone that's looking after, you know, when you're buying property, it's a significant chunk of money, you know, so you should be calling those people to task. Absolutely, and it always amazes me how flippant some buyers are when they're dealing with a sum of money that they would never, ever deal with in any other situation. Yeah. So what other strengths does does our uh, empowered female investor have? I, I think women are really good with money. They're really good with watching funds. And if anything, they're probably a hard, harder taskmaster when it comes to, I hate to say this, but it's shopping. Let's just talk about renovators. Yeah. <laughs> you know like there's a there's a fridge and you can look at it online and order it or you can spend another hour and save yourself four hundred (laughs) dollars yeah so having that innate ability i think that that is really good so that's what it came down to i was talking about research before i wasn't just talking about the research of property Uh you know you've got many different platforms that you can shop from but if you're decking out a property and it's purely to be staged for a window or four weeks for an auction campaign Maybe you don't want a brand new mattress, but you want to be looking on Gumtree to source one that's nearby and and bringing everything together. So I do see the numbers and and bringing the bringing the package back down. I think that's where females also stand stand up in that role. <laughs> I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah, bargain shopping seems to be a rite of passage for <laughs> women in property when it comes to actually fitting it out, renovating it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What does this mean for women who are looking at going into investing now? What does this all mean? Well, I think I think we're in a really perf- a really good time at this point where I don't I don't think we're we I I really believe we're on equal grounds. In fact, women hold and I, I know someone out there's going to be able to correct this. It's Australian Bureau of Statistics fact. I think it's like 50 of men um, and 60% of women or some some formula like that where we're actually outshining the boys in applying for loans or being, you know, independently having mortgages. So that's actually now the women are the ones holding the strength in that that car and holding those cards, I should say. Um, What does it mean for women now? I think they need to move forward and make decisions and I think that now is the time. Like, um, Don't don't get themselves into a corner of over-analysis because, again, that that can sometimes be a a side effect of someone who does too much research as well, actually not being able to strike. So I think this is where women 
maybe hold themselves back a little bit in the same token. But now I think it's a really good time for women to go out there and do it themselves and stop waiting, waiting for someone else to rescue you. You're perfectly capable of doing it yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. And plus, you have really great communities like yours and mine to support you. So, you know, like I often think I really wished I had me when I was starting out mm. because, you know, there was nothing in those days. Well, there probably was, but nothing that I would consider. And there certainly weren't, there wasn't much in the way of women's investor groups. So I think that that's something that has changed dramatically and probably is empowering a lot of today's women. The other thing that I see that I think probably needs to be addressed is still, and, and it's not necessarily only with older women, but I see this quite a bit, where they, they tend to defer to their husbands and partners for any of those life decisions. And there's two problems with that. One, that you may not like the decisions that that person makes on your behalf and need to vacate. Or two, how often does the male partner die and leave someone who just completely floundering because they don't have those life skills to manage money? Like I'm talking a bit more than just property now. And I personally think that we have, and I think this is probably something I got because my mother was widowed so young and she was fiercely independent and had a grip on the family business uh, and so could move forward, is that whether you've got a knight in shining armour or not, you really do need to take responsibility for yourself. Don't defer it to someone else. Yeah. No, I I hear those scenarios where... The situation is that one partner dies, the other one doesn't even know which bank got has the mortgage. I know. I know. <laughs> How do you even log into the online banking because, you know, he or she was the one that was in control of everything in that realm. So, you know, if that's you and looks up, I think most family units, someone tends to pick up the CFO role, you know, like they're the one that handles most of the finances or that's their primary role in the family unit, which is fine. But it's important to have a, have a conversation with your significant other <laughs> to understand what that is. It's a really valid point. And it's also one of those points that no one really wants to think about it. But on the back of illness or death, I mean, not having the right wills and documentation in place and all of those things, that needs to be a consideration, especially when you're investing in property. Because, you know, if you've got a significant portfolio, not everyone's going to know who's with what and what's got where and, you know, it's every diversified portfolio. You need to have that documented somewhere. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So I guess the, the moral to the story is if you're an empowered female investor, go you and we've got you back because we think you're amazing. Yes. Um, if you're not and you want to be, then now's the time. You 100%. really want to start educating yourself. You can, there's a, you know, the cheapest form of education is books. Not having enough money is not an excuse. You can go there, you know, like there is a wealth. And and in fact, you and I have been featured in a really useful property book because it covers something like nine different property strategies. So go and start getting yourself educated and not because you want to do everything yourself, but so that you can be savvy. And that's the important part when you're in property. 100%. 100%. 
Okay, actually, I was just going to finish on a little story, which is sort of quite funny, but not. I've always been the CFO in our family. And when we, Stephen and I had been married for 20 years, I said to him, okay, I've done it for 20 years, it's your turn. And so he said, okay. So things were going along very, you know, pretty good until about three months later, I got this message from the, the newspaper delivery guy and he said to me, do you think you could pay your bill? It's really oh. overdue. And I went, <laughs> you just paid nothing. I was so embarrassed. So then I took it back and I took it back for another decade but now he's taken it on powerfully. Oh, good. Right. Cool. <laughs> I've often wondered if I'm just a bit of a control freak. Control freaks are good. So are you the CFO in your house? I definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know that I'd have it any other way. <laughs> so I'm saying like a bit of a, oh, look, I, I'm not a, you know, I, I don't hold all the gold, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it is just, I understand the machinations and that's fine. He cooks dinner. He's the cook. He's the chef in the family. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm happy to pass that on to him. Yeah. Well, I, I really wanted Stephen to take it on because he would not have had a clue what was where. He would have been, if I had died, he would have been like, you know, like he could manage bank account. That Like he's got a very, he manages billion-dollar projects. Yeah. He just does not know where our stuff is. So I'm really glad that he has. So there you go. So I just wanted to highlight a few takeaways from that episode. I think the the first thing is that clearly women are really stepping up when it comes to property ownership. Now is probably the best time if you were thinking about making a move to start a portfolio or do something in property. Uh, mainly because there is just so much information and support around. It's certainly a lot different to when I got started. You know, Joe and I both have very dynamic communities, plus there's just so much education around. So that's probably the, the first thing. The second point is that it's really important that not to defer the role of CFO of your family uh, to a partner unless you've got an understanding of how it works yourself. So it's fine, um, you know, that you're not actually doing the bookkeeping and managing of the finances, but you really do need to have an understanding of how things work and where the money actually is. Because, you know, you can't be in charge of your, your own financial destiny if you, if you don't understand it on, the, you know, your own money on that basic level. Second thing, keep control of your finances, not in a negative controlly type of way, but just in a way of just being aware and informed about your own situation. And the third point is that there is a tendency, and I think this is particularly for women, or certainly was for me in my early days, to think that getting educated around property is almost, it's too hard to get your head around or it's too overwhelming. But really, that's a mindset issue and you absolutely need to get an understanding of how things work and be educated because it's dangerous to just be relying on other people to inform your decisions. You want to know enough to know being having the wolf pulled over your eyes, I guess is what I'm saying, because both Joe and I have seen uh, the 
upshot of decisions that have been informed by, I guess, less than decent advisors. And so getting educated is a necessity and it's never been easier. You, you can, there's, there's so much information and the cheapest way to go about it is just to read. And the third point is that education is not a luxury, it's an absolute necessity. So you don't need to learn about property and investing in order to do everything yourself, but you do need to know the questions you should be asking. You need to know how things work because not everyone that you deal with will be um, completely have um, integrity and be completely honest or even savvy. And so you want to know what's going on so that you can pick up any irregularities. And there is a tendency to, particularly for women, to think that it's not possible for them to um, be savvy, but it, it so is. And I have to say, I fell into that sort of trap early in my time because, you know, I had four little kids and I was so overwhelmed with life in general, thought, oh, it's just too hard. But no, it's not too hard. And I think when before you start thinking about venturing into the property arena, you really do need to spend some time, uh, you know, getting yourself prepared. And of course, I mentioned that the cheapest way to do that is by reading. There are so many fabulous books on property, so many experts who give away all their secrets in a book that you can buy for $30. So yeah, that's the best place to start. Okay, so that's today's episode. If you haven't come over to She Renovates Facebook group and joined, please do that today. And also, if you've got time to dash over to iTunes and leave us a review, we would be very grateful because it lets other people know that the podcast exists and that it's worth listening to. So thank you. And just one more thing. We are inviting uh, friends in to have a look at our Bondi project before it gets handed over next week. And that will be happening at six o'clock on the 11th of December. If you would like to come along, say hello, have a glass of Christmas bubbly and check out the property, we'd love to see you there. You'll find the details in the show notes. Okay, well, on that note, I reckon we might call it a day. So thanks very much for accompanying me in this discussion. I um, know that our listeners will have got some value out of it and some ideas on what they can do to improve their financial intelligence. And I'll see you next week. Take care. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.